Last week, I believe we got through verse 17 of chapter 2, so we'll be starting in verse 18. Uh, we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We'll see how far we get today. Um, so, so far, Solomon has spoken of the cyclical nature of the world, how there's nothing truly new under the sun, how we have short memories, how nothing on this earth will bring satisfaction. He said that there is futility in pleasure, possessions, and even wisdom. Um, so in the first part of our text today, he will continue to speak of some of the futile things, um, but will also give us the first taste of hope for our lives under the sun. Um, and so before we get started, I just want to remind us that um, we all tend to look for heroes in the Bible. I believe one of the reasons we look for them, one is we've talked about before that we look for heroes because we're trying to find somebody to emulate, but I think sometimes we're also looking for them to find their faults so that we can justify ourselves. So we've got to be kind of careful with that, with, with, um, really with anybody, but in, certainly including Solomon. Um, we'll say things like, you know, he had all this stuff going for him. He had wisdom, and he had knowledge, and he had money, and he had everything. Um, and look how he screwed up. You know, I've never done that. So we sometimes will try to justify ourselves by finding people that we want to put on a pedestal and then find reasons to knock them off, basically. Um, so we got to be careful. We remember that Solomon was far from perfect, just as each one, each one of us are far from perfect. Uh, when we claim otherwise, we should uh, we show ourselves to be good Pharisees. So uh, we just want to be careful of that. So let me pray, and then we'll get started. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for again this opportunity to look into your Word to. Um, see what you have to, to speak to us this morning, and we do ask that you would guide us, that your spirit would be the one to, um, to direct us through this, and that we would submit ourselves to you to, um, to learn and grow and, and be more like you. Thank you for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are going to start in verse 18 of chapter 2 in Ecclesiastes. Thus I hated all the fruit of my labor for, for which I had labored under the sun, for I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool? Yet he will have control over all the fruit of my labor for which I have labored by acting wisely under the sun. This too is vanity. Therefore I completely despaired of all the fruit of my labor for which I had labored under the sun." When there is a man who has labored with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, then he gives his legacy to one who has not labored with them. This too is vanity and a great evil. For what does a man get in all his labor and in his striving with which he labors under the sun? Because of all his days his task is painful and grievous. Even at night his mind does not find rest. This too is vanity. So why was Solomon expressing despair? Why was he upset? What's he expressing in this little section here? It's pointless. Why? Okay, there's no justice. Yeah, what he works for, somebody else gets. Heather, yeah. Yeah, you can't take it with you. You can't control what happens to it. 
You can't control whether somebody wise will have it or whether some fool will do something stupid with all the things you've worked for, right? Um, yeah, you don't know who that person's going to be. Could be somebody good, could be somebody smart, could be somebody wise, but it could be somebody completely foolish who hasn't learned the lessons that you've learned, and so he's frustrated with that. Um, how would you answer Solomon's question in verse 22? What does a man get in all his labor and in striving with which he labors under the sun? What does a man get in all his labor and striving? Nothing. What's that? Sound sleep. <laughs> okay, takes care of his family. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, yeah. Okay. And we may look at the man standing beside us and say, oh, he's greater than I am. Mm-hmm. He is of higher rank than I am. Right. But we still can take the satisfaction of the work we have done. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds rather simplistic, but it isn't. I, as a matter of Right. Right. Yeah. So the the question becomes, what are you working for? Right. 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 And my prayers were, God, why aren't you, why aren't you blessing my work? Why aren't you making me right. successful? Yeah. And it says here in this verse, uh, it says, his mind does not rest. This too is futile. Right. Same verse. So I would say, for all his days are filled with grief, his occupation is sorrowful, even at night his mind is not steadfast. So I don't think he has satisfaction right. from a job. Right, right. And he did talk. Um, he did talk about the fact that he talked about the accomplishments that he that he had when we were reading. I think last week, you know, that I, there were a lot of things that that were accomplished, yeah. and in that labor, he found some satisfaction. He did mention that. But.
Right. Self-focused. Yeah. And that's what we saw last week, too, is we, we, you know, there, were, there was that one section where it was like, I, me, I, you know, myself, and, and it, was this, it was this very self-focused, you know, I'm not getting satisfaction out of what I'm doing for me. It's like, well, that's probably to be expected. I, I found it interesting, too. We didn't really get, we, we never got to this last week, but back, if you go back up to verse 16, for there is no lasting remembrance of the wise man as with the fool, inasmuch as in the coming days all will be forgotten, and how the wise man and the fool alike die. So again, it's, it seems to be that his motivation, at least to some degree, is I want to be remembered, you know. Um, and so that, that isn't always, um, is that what God promises or what, or what God has for us, you know. Does God say, I'm going to do these things for you so you can be remembered? No, right? Who are we supposed to be magnifying? Who are we supposed to be lifting up? It's him, not us, right? People should be seeing him through our work, not me through my work, right? Anything else before we move on? All right, verse 24. There is nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen that it is from the hand of God. For who can eat and who can have enjoyment without him? For to a person who is good in his sight, he is given wisdom and knowledge and joy, while to the sinner he is given the task of gathering and collecting so that he may give to one who is good in God's sight. This too is vanity and striving after wind. So this is the first time we see Solomon truly commending something. Um, so kind of turning the corner here. Um, what word would you use to describe the attitude of verse 24? You're going to use one word to describe what he's just, to describe what's being expressed in verse 24, would you say? Go ahead, Gwen. Contentment. Isn't that what you see? There's nothing better for a man than to eat and drink and tell himself that his labor is good. This also I have seen that it is from the hand of God. So, yeah, simple. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anything else? Right. Yeah, basics. I think simple is a good word. And, and that contentment of the simple Do we struggle with contentment? I know y'all don't, but, but, but I do a little bit. Do animals struggle with contentment? I don't think so. It's a human thing, right? Um, turn to 1 Timothy. First Timothy six. Speaking of contentment, so First Timothy six, starting in verse six. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by a contentment. For we have we have brought nothing into the world, 
so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich uh, fall into, into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Does that seem to apply here? We're not naturally content. Our sin nature is always looking for something more, I think. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I think about animals and I think about, you know, we com I, I compared, do animals, are they discontent? I don't think that they are. But the other interesting thing in, in the whole idea of discontent is that there is some, I believe there's some um, of the image of God in our discontent when we, are, when we say, I see this thing and it could be better. You know, I think that's what drives, drives us to innovate things, to do things differently. For an animal, there's no, you know, animal does the same thing that they've always done. You know, that they've been given this um, uh, instinct by God, and so they do the things that they do by instinct. But as human beings, we, there is that, that God image in us that says, well, this is kind of working, but I could make it work better. Um, I think about Jay and you know, what he does. If you don't know, he's an engineer, and he designs and works with aircraft and, and things like that. Well, you know, if the Wright brothers had never gone, sure, it would be interesting to fly, along with a whole lot of other people before them thinking the same thing. You know, um, so it's there's a there's a balance there between, um, and, and part of that's that's I think part of what drives us to work is looking for what are what are other ways and other things we can do. Um, so, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I mentioned this before, but later on in Ecclesiastes, um, he's going to say, he's going to put it as kind of a bigger blanket statement that maybe it truly is, but, but it. Basically, you know, everything that people do is, everything that man does at least, is because of envy between he and another man. So that's what you're describing, is that we, there's this good, there's this good drive to improve our world, to make things better, to think, make things more beautiful. But if he's making things more beautiful or better than I am, then I'm driven to, to overcome that. Right. There, there is that, but does, but does our sin nature ever come into that? I mean, at what point does that go from being a good thing to being, you know, 
Right, right. But we, you know, we, we, that's a battle we fight as human beings, as sinful people. Approval or, right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and again, it's all this balance because, again, do we, um, do I know if I'm doing something correctly or well or doing what needs to be done if I'm the only one judging it? You know, sometimes I do need peop- other people to judge so that I know whether what I'm doing is good or not. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and what an amazing thing that he did. He redeems our, you know, the, we need him to redeem the gifts that he's given us, the abilities and the things that, that the, the God-like qualities that we have that we tend to um, muddy at the very least and sometimes make much worse than that. But yes, he comes in and allows those things to be redeemed and be beautiful again. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and I can't find it in me. I can't find it in, in again, the gifts that I have. I may, you know, because God has given us all gifts, whether we're whether believers or not believers. You know, there are certain natural um, inclinations we have, and we can use those things strictly for ourselves, strictly for our own gain. Um, to build ourselves up, all those kind of things, and it will not be all that it could be. And it is only through Christ that we find the beauty, the true beauty in all those things. Absolutely. Um, let me read. Uh, let me read James. I've got it actually here. James 1:17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of, or shifting shadow. Again, same thing. God has given the good things, and it is through him that we experience and truly understand what those good things look like. Um, in the past, I've probably expressed this, and I, I remember specifically when we were living up in Portland and talking to one of the junior high kids, and they're like, you know, so what, what does heaven look like? What does hell look like? Well, to me, hell, hell is the absence of anything good. So if you want to see what hell looks like, imagine you can have hell on earth. Just take God completely out, take all of his goodness out, and you will have hell on earth. And if you want to know what heaven looks like, imagine taking all of the negative, all of the sin out, and you have God, and that is heaven. Can I tell you what we're going to be doing in heaven? No, can't. But I can tell you when I look at the beautiful things around our world and think... If you took all of the sin out, wow, I'll go there every day. You know, I'm looking forward to that place. And people talk about, well, hell, and I'm going to hang out with all my friends. You don't want to be there. 
because you go, well, you know, I enjoy these things. There will be nothing to enjoy. Every good thing is gone. When God is out of the picture, every good thing is gone. Yes? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. 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 Again, every good thing is taken away. And, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing left to, hey, we'll party together. No, you won't. You really won't. What's that? Suffer together, absolutely. All right, so just uh, do you find it difficult to be content? Are you looking for contentment in your work or labor in this life? And will it ever truly satisfy? We can find, we can find some, I think, I think that he's saying, and he's going to continue to say, we can find some contentment in our work as long as we're not looking for it to be the thing, the thing that fulfills us, I think we've said it here. If, if, if we are allowing, if, if we are shining Christ through, letting him shine through as we work, if we are walking in him as we work, then I think we can find that peace and contentment. But it's not because of our work. It's just that we can find peace and contentment in anything. We can find peace and contentment in suffering. We can find peace and contentment anywhere if we are walking in him. Agreed? Or am I crazy? All right. I thought so. <laughs> All right. Anybody want to add anything before we move on? Yes, ma'am. Which... Uh, so, Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move on into chapter three. I'm going to read one through eight. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to, time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Do we, or at least does our world, want to separate these into good and bad categories? Yeah, to some degree when I read through those, I kind of, you know, obviously prefer war over peace, prefer love over hate, you know, those kind of things. But how do we determine which activities on this list are good and which are bad? Can we truly categorize them? Well, by saying there's a time for everything, then you say that they're all, they all can be good. I 
think so. I mean, is it, is it, certainly in our world, there's, you know, no more war. Well, that'd be great, but what would it take for there to be no more war? No more sin. If, if, there, if the choice is, you know, we're not going to stand up against sin, is that the, is that the right choice? Obviously not. Um, if we, you know, peace at all cost doesn't really work out too well because you end up with people who are being, you know, killed by, ty- by tyrants and, and things like this. So just saying we're only going to be for peace, well, I'm all for peace, but it doesn't always work that we can just have it because we want it, Right? Um, so what happens if you say, I'm only going to plant, I'm only going to heal, I'm only going to build, laugh, dance, embrace, sew together, love, and keep the peace, and I'm never going to uproot, kill, tear down, weep, mourn, throw stones, tear apart, hate, or approve of war. Is that realistic? No, clearly it's not. But there are those who seem to think that it is, um, do you, uh, do you avoid going to funerals? I used to. I used to be like, I don't want to go to funerals. That's depressing, you know? And yet, um, if you just turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting because that is the end of every man, and the living take it to heart, takes it to heart. And that was what I recognized at some point. It was, you know, I need to be aware of the fact that this is my end. You know, I think there are a lot of people who are like, I'm not going to go to funerals because I don't want to think about that. Well, we need to be thinking about that. We need to be thinking. We need to, not all the time, don't want it to be this morbid thought that I can't get off my mind, but I need to be thinking about life, and I need to be thinking about death, and I need to be thinking about birth, and I need to be thinking, you know, all these different things. It's not just one can't just say, well, I'm, I'm only going to focus on this. You know, we live with all of it, right? Do you know anyone who keeps trying to keep a pet alive beyond when they should have been allowed to die? There are people who are against all war all the time. Um, you know, so there are people who have lost someone or lost, and they're like, I'm never going to stop searching or looking or whatever, and it's like, Wow, that that's unfortunate. You know, that's not that's not the complete picture. That's a you know, I'm going to focus on this one thing. And God says, "No, there's a time for all these different things. All these things are part of what what makes life." Um so are you only allowing time for things that you perceive as good? All right, that's that's all I've got on that. Anybody want to add anything, or Heather? Sure. I don't know. It's a good question. Right. Yeah, and a few times he uses under heaven, 
It's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Anybody have any thoughts? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think either way that it seems to be, um, you know, it's, it's, it's short of eternity either way, I think. But any other thoughts? Right. But I think the passage you mentioned, heaven, makes me think of God up there, you know, and yeah. coming down. It makes me think of one day I won't be on earth anymore. So I think it does shift the perspective a little bit. Right. Think, you know, can help us to think in terms of eternity. Like, mm-hmm. this is a short time. We're here on earth. God's looking down. And while we're here, you know, here's all these things that we have to account for. Yeah. And that's probably how it ties in, because what we're about to read, he talks about eternity. Did I see another hand, Israel? Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's certain things that we may have a little bit of control, but not, not much. I can, I can continue to hate, you know, um, but they're, yeah, they're, they're pretty limited on how much I can, how much control I really have over. Um, all right, let's go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Does that mean the sun, meaning four or five hours a day, instead of shining around the sun, there's 24 hours a day, a whole week, you're going to heaven, whether it's daytime or nighttime. Right. But under the sun, that's daytime. Right. It's possible. Right. Yeah, see, I went through, as I was going through here, I highlighted, so in, there's lots of places where it says under the sun. Uh, If you go back to chapter 1, verse 13, I set my mind to seek and explore by wisdom concerning all that has been done under heaven. And then in chapter 2, verse 3, toward the end of it, um, well, uh, let's see. I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine while my mind was guiding me wisely and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is for the sons of men to do under heaven the few years of their lives. And then again, I don't think it's, and we don't see it again, I think, unless I missed it until right here at the beginning of chapter three. And we don't see it again for a while. So I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, yeah. The fact that um, under heaven, the few years of their lives might have to do more with kind of talking about your lifetime. I don't know. It's a good question. You got some homework had to do, Heather. <laughs> All right. Verse verse nine. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, so, uh, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. So I have a tendency as I'm reading through all this from, from him to read verse 9 as a negative. 
um, and, it's, and that it's assuming a negative answer. Uh, does it necessarily have to be that way? I don't think so. I probably wouldn't have asked the question if, it, if I thought otherwise. So I kind of think that verse 10 is answering verse 9. What profit is there from the, for the worker um, from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. God has given us tasks with which to occupy ourselves. Kind of interesting. God wants us to be occupied. Occupation is a gift. God has given us things to do. He has given us things to occupy ourselves. If you don't believe me, uh, what happens when humans have nothing or not enough to do? Yeah, Bathsheba, Trouble, Tower of Babel. Um, not too many good things can you think of when, when we're sitting around with nothing better to do, right? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, build a tower to the sky, invent new kinds of evils, sit around and gossip, watch pornography, argue with each other, any number of things. We don't do well when we've got nothing to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And he has given us appropriate things to do in their time. Appropriate things to do. So if there are appropriate things to do, then it assumes that there are also inappropriate things to do. Those don't come from God. Where do they come from? The flesh and Satan, clearly. That was a Sunday school answer. You take those every now and then. Um, so then I, I, I was thinking about it, and I looked back, looked back at verse 1 and just think about how many times occurrences of the word time or a reference to something that happens in time are mentioned. I counted them. It's like 35 in these, whatever, 13, 12, 11 verses, whatever it is. Um, do things that happen under the sun take place in time? Clearly, yes. So under the sun is in time. We are existing in time. But then it says God has put eternity in our hearts. We who live in time, he has put eternity in our hearts. There are those who say Solomon didn't believe in the afterlife. I think this would kind of argue otherwise. Um, but what does it mean that God has put eternity in the hearts of men? Okay. We who live in time have this eternity in our hearts. Right? Does God want us to just live for our next meal? No. Does he want us to just focus on survival and procreation and maybe having a good reputation when we die? 
No, clearly not. He wants us to be thinking beyond. He wants us to not just be focused on the beyond. We have to, be, we have to live in this time. But if we, what happens if we, all we focus on is this time and don't think about eternity? What do we look like? Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Greater rewards than, yeah. Yeah, if you didn't hear, it's talking about where Jesus talks about the parable of the talents, where one guy's given five talents, one three or two, or the other one one, and two of them do something with it. They use the time that they're given on this earth to do something. And one of them says, I'm just going to bury it. You know, I know that you're a, a a difficult task, taskmaster, so I just am giving you back what you gave me. I'm going to get through this life and with nothing to show. Yeah, no risk, no reward. I'm just, just going to get through it. And that's, that's that idea of I'm not going to use the time that I've given for anything other than just making sure I've got food on the table, I've got, you know, enough to keep me entertained and ple pleased with whatever. I'm not going to focus on what's beyond. Um, and then there's this interesting statement. Does he also put limits on how much we can know? There's this interesting statement there at the end of, of, at the end of this uh, little section that we're at. Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. So there's this idea of, of God has put a limit on. Yes, he, he's put eternity in our hearts so that we're not content to just live out this life on earth and think, okay, that's it. There are a lot of people who are saying that, but I think they're denying what God has put in their hearts. <clears throat> and... Um, so it's interesting that, you know, God has set a limit. Can we understand time the way that God does? No, cannot. Can we understand how free will works in light of God's sovereignty? Got a lot of argument over that one. Can we understand the kind of love that motivates God to come to earth to suffer and die and be raised again all to save something he created? Can't do it. There are limits on how much we can know, understand, comprehend, so, um, in conclusion, yes? I kind of see the end of verse 14 and then it turns God into this, right? So that we can be in awe of God. Right. Because if we could understand God, then we would be the ones in control. Right. We would be the ones that... Right. We would be as powerful as he is. Exactly. Right. And not, and always striving to understand, but only being able to understand what God gives us 
see. Right. Is, is a recognition that God is much, much greater than we are. Right. And continues to awe us as we seek God more and more. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Well, wasn't that the original temptation that Jesus had? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yep. You want to be like God, knowing good and evil. <laughs> gonna run and hide <laughs> and point fingers at each other and yeah yeah all right let me wrap it up right quick um, can we find profit in the work we do or is all vanity and pointlessness no we can we can find profit accumulating accumulating stuff for our pleasure surrounding ourselves with people who will do what we want seeking our fleshly pleasures, none of these will bring satisfaction. If you look at everything under the sun and ask, how can this serve my desires? How can it bring me pleasure? What can I get out of it? You'll be disappointed, frustrated, and feel like this world is just vanity. If, however, you ask God, how can I use what you've given me to your glory and serve others you put in my path, how can I keep myself occupied with the task you have for me? You could completely change your perspective and purpose, and you could find contentment in this life if we walk in those, if we walk in those ways. Do you have to be a missionary or full-time in full-time ministry? No, you don't. Just be available and recognize that He has created tasks for you to keep you occupied in this life under the sun. Tasks that will bring you joy, and bring Him glory. Tasks that can cause Him to say at the end of your life, well done. That's the reality we live in. Any other thoughts before we close? All right, let's pray.